All right, another week, another podcast episode. Bill, how's it going? Hey, it's going really good. Bill is alive and well, and I have a great question for you to start for a podcast I'm today, I'm excited Bill. to hear the question today. So, are you familiar with the game Beanbag Toss, or some call it Cornhole? Yes, I am. All right. Who would win in a game of Cornhole? Thor or the Black Panther? <laughs> uh, that's a tough one. I-, I would probably say the Black Panther. And why would you choose the Black Panther over the God of Thunder? I just think uh, my, my, my guess would be Thor would throw the uh, uh, beanbags too hard and be all about strength and maybe throw them through the wooden platform uh, and not actually into the hole. So I think that the Black Panther would win. Do you think Thor would get mad and smack him with his hammer? Smack the Black Panther with his hammer? Correct. Not the beanbags. Black Panther. Oh, I don't think he would do that. Why not? I think they're friends, I, I think. Are you sure they're friends? I think so. Have you been to any of their parties where they've been <laughs> friendly to each other? Not not, not lately. <laughs> not lately? So you've been before? <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I, oh, man. Those characters are from the Marvel movies, and I have engulfed myself in Marvel's movies lately. It's really important facts you need to know about my life. So I'm telling you that Marvel movies are good. You should watch them. And Marvel, if you're listening, throw me some cash my way. I do uh, like the Avengers movies, and I like the last one really well. Infinity War was great. I know, and you like it, weirdly enough, because of the main villain. Yeah, Thanos. Bill's a weird guy. He likes bad guys. I mean, I know there's people out there that like the villains more than the heroes, but when I meet those people, I just wonder why. Hard to say. It is hard to say, and you're not really giving me any good information. Well, there's not too much information to, to give if it's you like, like who you like. It's like, hey, you politician, unnamed, why did you delete stuff? Well, I think we have a really good team that's going to win this Sunday. It has nothing to do with what I just asked. That's Bill. He always uh, avoids the question. That's and not, some not true, but that's all right. You said not not true, so that means it is true? <laughs> no, I just sort of stuttered there. It's not oh, okay. true. All right. So, speaking of fighting... Let's talk about Jesus. All right. People fight over Jesus. They do. I'm sure. I don't know what that no, noise was. Just ignore it. That was Aaron's computer. People probably do argue about Jesus, but Jesus really is a good dude. <laughs> what? Jesus is a good dude. That's an interesting way to say that. Now, we're not going to talk about Jesus as a good dude. Now, when we think about Jesus, a lot of people think about some main things about Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Um, Jesus was kind. He was loving, which is all true. But there are things that Jesus said and taught that would make even Christians uncomfortable. Even people who love and follow Jesus be like, uh, do I have to do that? So Bill and I today want to talk about some of the hard teachings of Jesus. There are some interesting books and blog posts I've seen on this topic, there's a, a book that's titled, I believe it's titled, 10 Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. The idea is things that Jesus says that is hard for us to follow or makes it us uncomfortable or hard to deal with. So we want to talk about some of those tough things Jesus said today and how it is still a good idea to follow those teachings, even if they are tough. So Bill, 
Well, yeah. like, what would be one you want to start out with that you would like to discuss? Well, we looked at this, and, and there's lots of teachings of Jesus that I think are hard, but probably the first one, and the most one that hits me personally, is in Matthew five forty three to 45, where Jesus says, You've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. That makes sense, we get it. And intellectually, I get it too that we're supposed to love our enemies. Um, but in the in at least in my real world, that's that is a very difficult teaching to follow. Those are that's one of those things that I wish Jesus hadn't quite said that way sometimes, because there are a lot of times when people will do things or not not necessarily in my personal life where I'm you know in coming into contact with people that doesn't happen too often, but more in a in an ideas sense or what people are teaching, what they're espousing. Erin mentioned that I like the you know the world of politics and all these news shows and different ideas and, and there are all kinds of people that have what I think are crazy ideas out there and some are damaging ideas and it's uh, it's easy to get angry, at least for me. And uh, with social media it's easy to respond in anger yeah. really quickly. But Jesus said to love your enemy and uh, that's, that's something I have, I have to consciously choose to do pretty much every day. I like you bring that up because I think a lot of people, even when they read that statement, love your enemies and pray for them, some people will think, yeah, there's people I don't like, but I don't consider someone my enemy. Because a lot of times we think of an enemy, someone I want to destroy, um, I want them to not exist, I, I hate them with a passion. And so people are like, well, I don't hate anyone with a passion. But I would take it as, I mean, that would count as an enemy, but I think Jesus is, it goes deeper than just an enemy or those things is I think an enemy is someone you wish like good not to happen to them. Mm -hmm. I'd agree. I think it's, it's, I mean, clearly it is those people you talked about, the absolute worst acting people in the world, the people that commit heinous crimes yeah. and have, but, but it's, it's more also along the lines of, of those who oppose. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the definition of any of those who oppose and uh, those who seek to impose their will over, over what yours is. And um, I, I struggle with that in, in, yeah, in ideas and, and the ideas of debate. I like to debate. I like to discuss. But um, I do know that you can uh, do a lot of damage by attempting to win an argument and lose the person. But we, we are called to love our enemies love those who stand against us yeah and I think you bring up a good point about uh, politics I feel like in today's culture and our society the biggest driving force between people right now is a political party that you call your own whether you're Republican Democrat independent somewhere in between that there's these competing views and if you're a Democrat you hate the Republicans or if you're a Republican you hate the Democrats and as Christians whether whatever party we're not going to discuss politics, spend much time on that, but whatever party you decide to be a part of, you still have to follow Jesus' teaching and say, we might disagree strongly on some really important things, but I still have to love you as a brother or sister in Christ. The hard part for me is to put the idea, because I take these things fairly seriously, these ideas, I mean, whether they be political ideas or life, you know, how you live your life ideas, mm -hmm. I try to take them seriously, so they're very important. But they're not as important as a person connecting with Jesus Christ. So, 
So if I close off my avenues to share Jesus with people because we disagree so strongly on these important but not most important things, then I really have, have failed. So it's more important to be able to talk to people about Jesus than it is to convince them that my way of looking at the world politically is right. Yeah, and like you said, social media, there's so many people who get in arguments and debates, and there are a few times um, where I come across something, and I'm like, oh, man, I just want to post something back, but then I realize writing anything on Facebook is a waste of time to try to change someone's mind. Writing stuff on Facebook or Instagram or some total Twitter, some social media platform doesn't change anybody's minds. It just puts a wedge between you farther. I think you could take it a challenge for your social media feeds. And I'm on Facebook, which because people my age are, but younger people are on all kinds of other things. Yeah. But I think that um, I would challenge people on their social media feeds to implement this verse, Matthew 5, 43 to 45. Every post that you make, filter it through the lens of, am I demonstrating love for everyone that reads this post? Because if, if not, if it is a post that can be read in any slight way, that doesn't reflect the love of Christ, then you probably shouldn't post it. Yeah. Now, I, I try hard not to post things to uh, to cause dissension. I don't say that I've always done that, but I think that's a good goal to have. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a great lens to do anything with. Like, is this going to bring people closer to Jesus or point them away from Jesus? That's a hard teaching. And I can say, had Jesus not said that that way, it would have been a lot easier. Your life would be easier. You just hate people and be I mean could, to them. I could just say what I want to say, whatever uh, I want to say. You'd be like, you're a Cardinals fan. You're dumb. I could go a, go eat a rock. I could be unfiltered. I would never say that in St. Louis. That would be a very dumb thing to say. Yeah, it might be. But you'd probably be still fine to go walk yourself to a Denny's and get a pancake. Bill doesn't know what to say after that ridiculous response. I don't have any idea what that means. So Jesus, one of Jesus' tough teachings, love your enemies and pray for them. That's tough. What else, Bill? Give me another one. Oh, well, another one that I was thinking about that I think is really tough, and it's in our day and age now, uh, day and age, that's an old expression, the way we, where we live now, is that Jesus is the only way to God. John 14, 6, a verse I quote a lot. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Now we know that's true intellectually and we get that, but that's a hard teaching in our culture today because it puts us at odds with just about everything. If, and, and again, we're back to, you know, do we show love by people? Absolutely. But if we post this on my social media feed, then I'm gonna get a lot of dislikes and a lot of negativity. And that's that struggle I have between balancing loving people and telling them the truth. And this is, this is another one of these hard truths that Jesus calls us to that balance. And I think that's tough. We do have to love them, but because we love them, we have to tell them the truth in love. And here's one of the truths. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Every other way people try to make is going to end up in a dead end. And um, that's tragic. And so it is absolutely true that unless they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they can't spend eternity with God. And that is a tough teaching for today because it goes against the grain of our tolerant world and it'd be a whole lot easier if there were multiple paths but there aren't yeah I think that is I don't disagree with this a tough teaching but I also think of it maybe not as tough in the sense that Jesus tells us I'm the way the truth and the life and if you knew um, or excuse me if you didn't know back in the day the church Christians used to be called the way 
and I'm the way, the truth, and life. But now we're just called Christians. The way is a way cooler sounding name than Christians. The way. Hey, what are you part of? The way. Anyway, side note. Jesus said so, that. There and, was a, a cult that went by the way for a while, too, back in the 70s. But oh, that's another story. Well, the 70s was a blur. It was a blur. It was, not for you. You were <laughs> around. Anyway, Jesus teaches that. And, yeah, that makes it hard. You can't say everyone can go believe whatever they want. It doesn't matter. But it does matter. Jesus is the way to heaven. Jesus is the way to eternal life. But Jesus also told his disciples, like, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be hated. You're going to face rejection, face opposition. And sometimes we as Christians do a poor job in communicating this, that we sometimes, like, if you give your life to Jesus, it's going to be real good. It's going to be donuts and sprinkles and unicorns and rainbows. No one actually says that, but that's my way of saying it's going to be, everything's going to be fine. But it's not. Like, following Jesus is tough. Like, you're going to face oppression. You're going to face these negative things. In our culture and our society in America, it's a lot less, or it's a lot different than what it would be in a country that's illegal to be a Christian where you face the, the opportunities to go to jail or even death. But, yeah, we shouldn't be surprised. That's my thing. We shouldn't be surprised that we get pushback if we claim Jesus as the only way. So, yeah, I say it's tough, but we're also... I don't know. I don't find it as challenging. as I mean, yes, it's a challenge to talk to someone about Jesus that disagrees with that. But, like, I don't find it tough in the sense to stand up for that belief. Well, I think it's a challenge in, this, in, in the idea that our world rejects that. Yeah, rejection's I mean, no fun. I mean, well, it's not just even personal. It's just that intellectually, when you try to communicate that, if you try to talk to people about that, what, what it is you're viewed as narrow-minded and bigoted if you think that there's only one way to heaven. And and it's hard to crack through that to talk to people about Jesus when they accept Jesus as one of many, but they don't want to see Jesus as exclusive. And mm-hmm. I, I just think that I mean, we can, we certainly, I agree with you, we have to take that stand and it's absolutely right. And um, it's interesting, I, hear, I heard a good talk um, about um, persecution from Shane Wood yesterday at, at St. Louis Christian College. I got a live stream of that. And then oh, the, Shane Wood, what school does he teach at? He teaches at Ozark. Mm. That's where Aaron went. And um, it was, um, his talk about persecution was that <clears throat> he was in another country, in India, I think, and the ministers there were talking about how much easier it is to be a Christian in the face of persecution, and they're much more uh, and admiring American Christians who can be faithful to Jesus in a land of so much. They thought it was much harder to be a Christian absent persecution, which I thought that was interesting and it made me think about it. So it was harder to be a Christian in our culture as opposed to... That's what they thought. Now, gotcha. I, don't, I don't know what I think about that, but that was an interesting concept for me. I mean, sometimes the idea of like when you're in, when you're in tough times, it's the idea it seems easier to, this is an old saying too, pull up your, your bootstraps and just get to work and, and hunker down where... When it seems less, it could be like, oh, just be laid back. and. Well, I think for us in, a, in the United States, we have so much, and it's so uh, relatively easy to be whatever you want to be, even today. I mean, it, it is, I, I will say that it's tougher in our current culture being a Christian than it ever was 25, 30 years ago. We no longer have an, a Judeo-Christian foundation in our culture, I don't think. But even absent that, I still think it's easier to be a Christian in the United States today than it is any other place in the world, practically. And we can be whatever we want to be. 
And so that's why I think this teaching is hard because it, it is a demanding teaching of Jesus. It is one of those exclusive statements that either you're with me or you're not. Mm -hmm. I'm the only way. And you've got to come this way or you're not going the right way. And our culture just kind of shrugs its shoulders at that. And I, I, I think that's why that's hard. And in, 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 in the same vein, it connects with the first one. Because I have to love people, so I want to be loving. But when I say this to them, our culture says, you're not loving me. You're judging me because I'm not following your way. Yeah. I think, and here's the problem I, I see a lot, and I think it can be, the problem can be less harsh with these people just accusing of, uh, us of these stereotypes of being closed-minded, a bigot, whatever, is that on social media or those outlets, it's easy to say those things. But when you get in a personal conversation, you and someone else who disagrees with you, when they get in a personal conversation with you one-on-one, -on -one, they get to know you as a person and not just behind a screen and on words on, on a screen. And I think that's where obviously real change will happen. And I think if you are a down-to-earth Christian that knows how to have a conversation with someone where you're not just preaching to them these negativities, but opposed to giving them real truths in a way that helps them understand and sees Jesus for who he is, yeah, they might still disagree with you, but they'd be more of a mind like, you know what, that person's not this dirtbag that I think all Christians are to be. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I agree with what you said. I think that the key to successful sharing your faith is relationship, have relationship with the Lord first and have a relationship with the people you want to share and uh, I agree I think that's vital so there are a bunch of other ones of tough teachings that I've pulled up and here's one that when you read it right at first you're like uh what so this is Jesus's view on sin he said in Matthew 18 8 if you're hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and to be thrown into eternal fire. So Jesus yeah. tells me it's better for you to chop some body parts off than be a sinner. <laughs> so if your, your hand is causing you sin, chop it off. Bill, does Jesus literally want me to chop off my hand that's an interesting uh question interesting statement and i think that there are a lot of at least from my reading there are uh, scholars and uh, commentators that go both ways whether he's talking literally or whether he's making it a metaphor there but i i kind of think that what the whole point of that is and you hit it is that jesus has a very serious view of sin and, and it would be better for you to enter heaven um Maimed. I mean, it would be better for your body to be maimed than than for you to, to engage in sin. I mean, that's how we have to view sin in, in the sense that it is so damaging that if this part of my body, my hand, causes me to sin, I'd be better off by miles to cut off this hand than to engage in sin. I think he's talking there about how serious sin is, which, again, is a very hard teaching. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I agree. I don't believe, I think Jesus is speaking metaphorically, but I think the point he's driving home is how serious sin is. And I think that's tough for us because we also hear, like, we believe, we hear grace, we hear salvation through Jesus, through belief and baptism, and that's all true. But we think, well, 
he's still going to forgive me. He's still going to, yeah, he will. That forgiveness is there. But Paul specifically talks about in the book of Romans, don't take advantage of God's grace and Jesus' love. And I think sometimes we don't take the necessary hard steps it is to overcome sin. And I think one of those biggest things that we don't do is confession. We don't tell anybody whether it's we sinned against them or we're just struggling with sin and we know we need to talk to that person, talk to a person to help us be like, dude, I need help because I can't, I can't overcome this. And that's what we need to do. Well, I agree. That's a tough one. I mean, we know we're supposed to confess our sins um, to the Lord. First uh, John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I think we're supposed to go to those that we have sinned against and and ask for forgiveness i I think that's uh biblical too but it's hard to do that i think it's hard for us to come to terms with sin i I think that in the journey to the to uh, celebrate easter we we run past good friday as fast as we can we don't like to hang around at the cross too much (laughs) yeah i i just think that's a hard one for us today and again i don't want us to be uh stuck there and beat ourselves up and you know, uh, just you know, tear ourselves apart over sin. We have been forgiven. We've been set free. God, God has removed our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. But I think that we as Christians, particularly in our culture, need to understand that sin is is damaging. It's not a mistake. It's not a goof. It is something that can destroy lives, families, reputations, and and we shouldn't. We, we wouldn't take even a, a sip of a, of, a, of a putrid pool. We wouldn't take a sip of water from that. We shouldn't take even just dip our toe in sin either. Yeah. Putrid pool. That sounds disgusting. You're right. I would not want to take a sip of that. When we smell it. When we look at it. Well, I was thinking of the, some of the camps I've been to have had a, uh, what do they call those pools out in the back where all the sewage gathers that's where they I don't well I think this conversation just should stop now before no, you No I'm just saying that's where it's at. <laughs> and, and we wouldn't bathe or swim there. Not a not on your life. And yet that's kind of a good picture of what sin is. And yet sometimes we dive right in. Yeah. That's all I got on that. Well good. I'm glad that's all you got on Aaron's that. getting sick I think. The grossness of where yep, let's gonna move on. Just gonna move on. So Jesus said some other things that you think is that really what he meant and Jesus made the comment um, Bill's a very he knows a lot of Bible verses so he'll be able to tell me where this is at but Jesus says you can't be my disciple unless you hate your mother your father your brother your sister basically all those that you love closely you have to hate them if you want to be his disciple where's that at yeah let me see you know you don't know off the top of your head oh man I know that's terrible. That so while Bill fi- figures that out where that's at. It's Luke 14. Luke 14. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to hate those you love the most and even hate yourself. Now, um, my mother is a saint. I know his mother. His mother is a fine person. And so I'm supposed to hate her? <laughs> what? Jesus had a mother. Her name was Mary. Sometimes my daughter puts a blanket over her head and says, Look, I'm Mary. It's adorable. So, Jesus, you want me to hate the people I love? That seems strange. That's a tough one. Wise Bill, what's he mean? <laughs> well, that 
that's a hard one again um, my, from my reading scholars and commentators have tried to talk about that what it means I mean he, the words are there I think it's uh, one of those uh, statements to exaggeration to make the point I, I think that in regard to our love for Jesus it has to be such that compared to anyone else um, our relationship with Jesus is so strong that it would be as if we hate everyone else our, he is so uh, primary in our dedication he is so much our focus in life that you know we give our all to him so it would appear as if we uh, were to hate everyone else but I think it's a priority thing I, I think that it has to be um, Jesus is number one in my life and there really is no one that even competes at that level so I don't think he's saying that you should hate your father, mother, wife, and children. I mean, there are plenty of scriptures that talk about honoring your father and mother. There are plenty of scriptures that talk about loving your wife and respecting your husband and, and how to deal with children. So he's not talking about it's okay to do that. But he's saying in comparison to the relationship with me, I am number one in your life. And again, I think that's pretty hard. Mm-hmm. The, I agree with the 100% priority thing, and I agree with the... That's why I always say it's like, compared to how much you love Jesus, everything else looks like hate to what you... But typically in our lives, most times it's like, I love everything else, not everything else. I love a few things or a lot of things more than I do Jesus. And some of that is our families, whether it's a spouse or kids. Um, I'm, I'm currently reading through a book about parenting and just a few pages I've read so far it's this idea that we we value our kids more than anything else which I do I value my kids a lot but it's we put the we put our kids above our relationship with Jesus and following Jesus and even our kids following Jesus we put the 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 hope of happiness for our kids above that stuff well, and that's and that's wrong that literally yeah. is sin and we don't want to talk about that we don't want to rough we don't want to tell a mom she's wrong for for doing that and I get that but like or a dad, whatever. But that's sin. That's literally what Jesus is saying there. That's sin. You are not being my disciple. He says you can't be my disciple. It's it's a tough one. I it may, you made me think a little bit when you're saying I have read, not experiencing it, but that you are supposed to have Jesus number one in your life and your spouse number two and your children third. And that's tough too. I know plenty of families where that's not the case. Oh yeah. And that causes all kinds of problems. Yeah. So if Jesus isn't first in, uh, in your life, then everything gets out of order. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets dicey when you talk about uh, when you become a Christian, you do it right, good things happen. Like That is true. Like That's the thing with sin is sin messes it all up. And so when you get the order mixed up of priorities, it messes it up. It, it hurts your marriage. It hurts your, your parenting skills. It hurts your ability to be a good witness. And... That's why it's so important to make Jesus number one. Now, we're not here sitting here. We, we're perfect. We do this all the time. Like, that'd be ridiculous. But what's what Scripture says. Put Jesus first. Everything else should be a distant, distant, distant second. That's a tough one. I mean, again, it's hard for us to envision that. But I, it is what he says. So I see it like this. Like, how do you do that? Like, it's one of those things that's just like, you seen the movie Indiana Jones? I have. There's multiple ones though. The oh, the Last Crusade. Yep. 
that the ones after that you don't necessarily have to watch because they're not very good. But it's a scene where he uh, is going to go find the Holy Grail, and if you don't know this, just bear with me. And there's this big ravine. He's got to walk across it, and there's supposed to be this beam that appears out of nowhere. And he just got to take this step of faith. Mm-hmm. I like that part. And he just closes his eyes, and he just takes that step of faith, and there's the beam, and he walks across. And I'm telling you, if you just take a step of faith, and so I'm going to put Jesus first, and not my husband, and not my wife, and not my kids, not my job, not my hobby, to whatever that hobby is, like, you're going to get across that ravine. You're going to get across that thing, and you're going to make it to Jesus. It just takes faith. You just got, like, it's tough, I get it, but you got to believe and trust that that's the best decision. You said it well. It just takes faith. Well, that could be the hardest of all. Yeah. Faith. Not the George Michael faith. Jesus Christ faith. Well, those are some of the tough teachings we see that Jesus taught. And there's lots more. You can check it out. You can can view it for yourself. And you probably have some, too, that you think it's hard word. Like Jesus says, pay taxes to Caesar or tithe or um, don't love money. Don't worry. Um there's, there's plenty of things that Jesus taught that can make us a little uncomfortable and, and squirmish. That's good. You're right. And to end this podcast, what makes Bill squirmish is birds. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't like birds. That's true. I mean, there's a word for that, ornithophobia. I've been trying to convince Bill to watch the movie Bird Box. <laughs> he hasn't done it yet. He probably never will. Did you ever see the movie Birds? I have. Alfred Hitchcock's movie the Was Birds. that like the start of your bird fear? No. No. It was before then? Uh, yes. So you watched the movie about birds even though you're afraid of birds? Uh, I will uh, try to be a good team player with uh, all of the young people I'm working with, and they were wanting to watch it, so oh, I watched it with them. Gotcha. I see now. Mm-hmm. Well, till next time, have a good one. Have a good day. We're not as dumb as we think we are. Thanks for listening.